there so much. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I want to say my favorite place in the country, but it's a really cool place. I don't know. But uh, were you like a COVID refugee or were you? Uh... For sure. So actually, I'm f- uh, from L.A. and oh, we left it. We left LA and we were in Pittsburgh for a little bit and then COVID hit and then we became Florida refugees and we moved to South Florida, kind of around Naples area. Oh, nice. Um, I, for sure. I know Fort Myer, uh, which I believe is a hotbed of uh, pedophilia and human trafficking, to be perfectly honest, on uh, Marco Island. I <laughs> had a revelation while we were staying there once in this like Airbnb that I was like, this house is used for like child trafficking. <laughs> I had this whole theory. Fort Myers has definitely been busted. There have been some busts there. I know the Sheriff Marcino, he, they busted a human trafficking ring out there that was like, I think it was like eight different people. And then one of them was a sheriff's deputy that was a part of it, but they were linked to Tampa. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I had a theory that, that um, if like a house had a gnome on their dock, because there's all the canals and stuff there, I was like, that's mm-hmm. the sign. That's the sign that's a pedo house. I I don't know if that's true, but I believe it now. I mean, (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, yeah, I'm in that area. I'm actually in that area, not in Fort Myers, but I'm adjacent to that. And it's a different world. Fort Myers is different than like the surrounding cities. Like there is a different feeling there. Even like east coast of Florida and west coast and north of Florida and south of Florida, it's a very diverse state in like culture. Like really, like there's truly different Floridian experiences, I feel like, when you move up and down and east and west. For sure. For sure. And I think it's actually, I mean, it's comparable to California, where northern California is different than southern California. East California is really weird compared to the west coast. It's so true. It's so true. You go someplace like Hesperia and it's like horses and meth and trailer people Mm -hmm. and you go to the west coast and everybody's like, kind of posh and waspy and weird and then you know down south is oh, like you know and then up north is like a whole different like crunchy lesbian experience so it's like <laughs> it's i'm originally from northern california so when i moved to la it was sort of like i had i kind of been all over california by that point so when we came out here i, I noticed there's like florida's kind of like if california was a little bit seedier <laughs> it's so true. I always say it's like if Jurassic Park was in the suburbs, sort of also. Yeah. It yeah. Feeling. Um, I love that you said East California because I was thinking of that song Kids in America like this week for yeah. some reason heard it and it's like she says this thing about like new york to east california and i'm like well who talks about east california it's like such a weird clunky line but then it's maybe she knew something weird. we don't know you know maybe west it's, california will fall in the ocean <laughs> yeah east california is like a it's like a no man's land it's a really strange place mm-hmm. i did a um i used to do hair i was like a, a celebrity hairstylist when i lived out in los angeles nice. and i did um i did a tv show pilot with uh it was kate from like Grey's Anatomy. I don't know if you Kate. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, uh, I don't know if it's Kate. <laughs> you say it. it was. It was her. It was. And it was with her. And it was this other lady. And we did this whole pilot. We had to film this pilot out there with like Amy Mann and all these different people and um, Adam McKay, who does like the Step Brothers movies and like yeah, yeah. Uh, Will Ferrell movies. They. Well, I went out there and I was a part of this thing, but we were in the eastern part of like Bar Barstow, I think like it's Inland called. Empire, totally, yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah, and it was a really weird experience. It was like all these like hippie shops and like glass bottle shops and like just a very, it was a very strange, different thing. And it was like sure. something out of a movie, you know what I mean? And um, I just remember like spending like two days filming this pilot there and I was like, this is one of the weirdest places. You know, California is weird no matter where you go. There's a strange, <laughs> there's like a strangeness to it. But that was definitely like, it was like that movie U-Turn. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. 
Yes, I know what you're talking about. Kind uh, of a strange, like weird desert border town kind of like. Yes. Oh my gosh. Was that like a, a Soderbergh movie? Who did that? Oliver that? Stone. Oliver. That's Stone. right. That's right. That's right. Oh yeah. my gosh. I forgot about that movie. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's not. <laughs> it's not that great. I mean, I don't. I'm not a huge Oliver Stone fan, but I feel like. I feel like Natural Born Killers and U-Turn are like underrated. And I think they're like, I think people hate them unnecessarily because they have sort of a special, they have a special thing going on. If you can get past, like, if you can get past the bad parts, then you can mm-hmm. really enjoy like what's unique about them. Totally. So I try to champion those movies because people. Do people hate on Natural Born Killers? I don't people, know. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like on our part of the, our part <laughs> of the internet, people are like, Natural Born Killers is garbage. Oliver Stone's garbage. And I'm like, yeah, I don't love him, but. <laughs> what he did right, he did really, he did really well. And and then, you know, his failures are obvious, but his successes are like, are unappreciated. Well, well stated. I need to introduce uh, my guest this fine Saturday morning. I don't usually record on Saturday mornings. This is better than like Saturday morning cartoons though. Like I was like super excited all morning. I have with me someone who I've been uh, trying to pin down for a few weeks now. He's had some issues. Um, uh, the, the censorship regime has got him multiple times <laughs> in the middle of a promotional cycle. I, I'm really thrilled to uh, introduce this morning on Here Comes the Backlash, my friend and guest, Eric Harris, Formerly, maybe, we'll find out, of the uh, hit group FKA Gold Pony, musician, dissident, all-around cool dude, I guess is how I would describe you. Eric, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm actually very happy to be here. I'm, I'm stoked that we got to finally do this after, like, many delays. You know, it's how it goes. I've learned scheduling. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. At one point, I was like, I wonder if I could just get a hold of Eric's wife and maybe just do the scheduling through her. Because sometimes I just find, sometimes there's like a person in the unit that's just the person that does the scheduling. That might be she is. <laughs> she, def- she definitely is. Like, if, if if it wasn't for her, I would be unmanaged a lot of the time. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty self-regulating when it comes to, like, what I need to do, uh, what I want to do but I'm mm-hmm. bad with everything that I need to do. And yeah. then I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> I feel you. I think, uh, yeah, that you said, you basically described my entire MO perfectly there. It's just like, yeah, I really want to do this, everything. Like, I just want right. to do everything. You know what I mean? yeah. Of course we can, but uh, it does take a little bit of finesse uh, organization, uh, which is something I've had to force myself into through this whole crazy podcast experience. But I do want to talk to you. I really did. I, I'm super excited. I'm curious to know, I guess, uh, before we get into everything, yeah, what's going on? You've been kind of gone. You were you were uh, an incarnate in our corner of Twitter, as we say. Uh, yeah. you, were, you were chopping it up. You were you were you were dropping bangers. You were you were taking takes. You know, you were doing the whole thing. Then you were yeah. gone. And it was like it was scary. But then you were back. And we're like Eric's back. Gold Pony's back. You're, yeah. again. You're back. What's been fucking going on, Eric? So the first account <laughs> that I had on Twitter, like I didn't get on until the pandemic. That was like the first time I'd never been online. I wasn't like on MySpace or Facebook or any of that stuff. I was very like anti-internet. So I got on, I got that account. I think at like its peak, I had like 1600 followers on there and I was like doing pretty good with it. And then I kind of like, you know, you make a joke and then somebody flags you and then you make another joke and somebody flags you. And then sometimes you say something serious, like, you know, you get mad and and you say something serious. But what was weird was like, I kind of flew under the radar and I was able to kind of say whatever I wanted to, even if it was like slurs or jokes or, you know, just anything. Like I I always felt pretty like untouchable. And then I just, I got, got that first account. And I was like, okay, well, you know, it happens. It was bound to happen eventually. It happens. I was talking shit to a lot of people. It's okay. <laughs> the second account, though, was a weird one because I put that up and um, 
it was like as soon as I started getting followers, everything was good. And then I just started getting mass reported out of oh, nowhere. Wow. But I was really trying to play it safe and like keep it on that one. I wasn't like doing any takes and I was just very like, you know, you make a joke here and there, but you're not yeah, like, yeah. Were you I was trying to play it safe. Music? I feel like you're kind of trying to focus on like your, your, your I, I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of was like, okay, second account. I was like, look, I'm here to make music. I'm not really here to like do hot takes. Like I'm, you know, I'm just joining in cause I'd like to have a social time. Course, I'm not, but I'm not here to be like a, I'm not one of those people who's like, a lightning rod for controversy it's not my, my personality <laughs> so i was like okay i'm just gonna focus on just doing music and just being myself and then that was what was so weird about that one is i just kept getting reported and you know i did um like appearances on other podcasts and mm-hmm. uh, i was in american bulgaria the first issue and nice. you know i was on a few things that i was doing that i felt like were kind of starting to build some momentum with the gold pony project um so when that account was ended and then it came back as fka gold pony mm-hmm. i also at that point in time invited my brother into the band and i was like oh this is like kind of a neat way to rebrand as a duo yeah, yeah. Uh, because my accounts all got like they all got annihilated and i was offline for like a month and then i'm like okay i'll come back i i put a new member in the band we'll come back as almost like a new band you oh, know yeah. that was that was the idea but then simultaneously that partnership dissolved and i got my account deleted at the same oh, no. time oh, like no. right after we put out all the we put out the two new singles and then i got deleted again and then i got my instagram got flagged again like oh. mysteriously and i lost all my branding oh. capabilities and i was i wasn't able to go on to it for a few weeks and then i was just like okay well i have to get offline completely like yeah so i just stayed off for like a month and then also i was kind of like okay i'm gonna come back i just changed the band name like and now what now i'm gonna change it again this sucks like this is stupid you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, <totally>. um <laughs> but the good news that came out of it was like okay like i'm just gonna come back and be myself like sure. everything that i've done whether it's gold pony fk gold pony memory cult vampire disco club all the bands that i used to be in in la like it was always me i wrote all the songs i did all the mm-hmm. instruments i wrote all the vocals anybody who i brought in was usually like either like for like a consulting or just like to play a bit part. Nobody ever did anything significant on those records. Even if they sang on a track, it was because I told them to sing on the track. I told them how to do it and what to do. And I'm not yeah, I'm not saying that to be like like egotistical, but it was like a I was always in the like the James Brown position of like I was gonna exactly say that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is how I want the drums, this is how I want the bass. And then I orchestrated it, I wrote it, I wrote the parts. I played all the parts ultimately, but I would have people flush them out. Um so that was it, you know what I mean? So it was like, okay, like new start. Huh? The, the, getting the, like my Instagram and, and my Twitter both getting like shut down at the same time was like a real, like, why are you like, what the hell is going on? What the fuck? What like the somebody, fuck? it felt like some, it felt like maybe there was somebody who didn't like me that was like sending me up the chain. Cause I started getting like, I don't know. I was either that or the bots are getting really good um because it was like sort of out of nowhere that i just started getting hit boom 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 boom, boom. and it was after i i decided to tone it down that's crazy i wonder how much of it is because of your like i'm gonna say prominence as a musician because you are a person in a scene in a world that is uh tends to be very rigid in its uh conformity i would say and it's uh adherence or adherence to political kind of norms i guess uh sure. just pretending maybe to be exactly the opposite uh yeah. we all know the truth uh it's funny because um you hesitate to say, oh, there's this big conspiracy against me, right? Because it sounds crazy. Right. I, 
I've stopped. I will just I'd say there's a huge conspiracy against me. I think there's one against you too. I think uh, anyone who doesn't go along with uh, this regime does get targeted. I don't think it's even that crazy or hard. Like you mentioned bots. I think there is a bot element, but I think the algorithms are very sophisticated at this point where they can very easily target people like you and me. I think our influence is probably greater than we actually even understand. <laughs> and I figured out there, there was like a, literally a smear campaign, like a run against me that I figured out in hindsight. And it sounds so crazy to be like, oh, there was a whole op against me, but there was a fucking op against me. It was like a series of like very strange instances of like high profile people coming for me out of nowhere. Uh, and <clears throat> anyway, I'd say, I was like, yeah, no, I think this was actually a legitimate smear campaign to uh, to get people to not pay attention to me essentially on top of like the, you know, the shadow banning that I'm sure you also kind of face, like uh, just feeling like you're not getting your, your voice out there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I definitely had like, well, okay. Early on when I first got on Twitter, I was going under vampire disco club. Love that. Um, and I put out a bunch of records as that. And I was on a label, a smaller label, um, which I'm actually re-releasing all the vampire disco club Please, records. Pretty real. This is probably exciting. in the that next, yeah, probably in the next week or so I'm going to put, um, <laughs> I'm going to put, I had, I had a band called memory cult. And then I had a band called vampire disco club. So I'm putting all that stuff back on under my name. Um, just gonna all everything's just from now on everything's gonna be under Eric Harris no matter how eclectic or how like disparate like the sounds are mm -hmm. or like how opposing the genres are I'm just gonna do everything under Eric Harris because like when I did the Vampire Disco Club thing I had a small label that was behind me and um, it was during the riots and I got really like I got kind of really outed from like the left wing sort of scene even though i wasn't like I, I wasn't politically involved in all that stuff i didn't care about it or think about it i wasn't a person who was like for or against trump i like didn't care you know like, all i ever cared about was like making tunes um that puts you in the category of being against it immediately exactly so and that's the thing right so then i'm like just associated with people who like you know at first you think everybody's just like the politics thing is really presented to you as like hey man like we just all want to be who we are and we don't want anybody to tell us not to be. Okay. So like, of of course, when you're young and somebody says that to you, you're like, well, yeah, that's totally reasonable. Like, I don't want anybody to be oppressed. That's, you know what I mean? Like, so you just go along with it a lot of times, even though when I was a kid, I was in the army, you know, there were people, people who were like, well, like these people should have a say because X, Y, and Z. And you go, okay, man, like, I'm fine like I don't I'm not going to be the one who tells people who, what they can and can't do mm -hmm. so it was the same thing with the music thing to me it was like oh I, I can't you know but I put out this single um during that time under Vampire Disco Club and the cover artwork was like an Antifa guy with a suicide vest on okay because that's where I thought watching the riots and stuff I was like this is where this is heading like somebody's going to be a true believer like for for as much as people want to say everything was like an op or like the feds or whatever i'm like yeah well that's going to inspire one guy who's like crazy to like yeah, blow up a, yeah, yeah. you know like so I, I i saw that happening and the whole song was kind of about like this would be true believer it's kind of a story right. about mm -hmm. like what's going on in the mind of this guy who's like gonna blow himself up interesting you know like american jihadi um and that was a problem with the label. They were like, yo, like, this, what is this? Like, why does this guy look like this? And I was like, you know, I kind of like went from being oblivious to like immediately aware. Mm. I was like, oh, you don't like, this is a problem for you because you feel like this is you. 
Do you know what I mean? Like you feel like you're seeing yourself being represented negatively. And I'm just trying to make a point that like people go crazy when they're given too much belief into a mm-hmm, message. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so then I made a tweet and then the label kicked me out. I made a tweet. I made a tweet about a joke because I made a tweet about getting in trouble with them. Right. Okay. It I was like, I was like, oh, now that I've poked the beast, I was like, I will be reprimanded or something like that. And it was something real time too. Like this is like so like rock and roll. Like everyone does. It's like the label does something. The musician kind of like reacts to the label. Yeah. You yeah. Know, Connor is like maybe the really iconic example, but it happens like on many different levels, right? So I think it's yeah. like rock and roll business. This is what happens. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh no, like you know what I mean? Like I spoke against like yeah, the yeah. you know I, I said something to the effect of like you never like you have to kiss the foot of a tranny pope or like. <laughs> <laughs> or you'll be kicked out of Rome. You know what I mean? And, um, and then it was like, I got blocked by the label on all social media. They stopped taking my phone calls. Like we were about to put this record out and wow. they were like, they were like, no, like we're not dealing with you anymore. One of the guys wouldn't even talk to me. The other guy was like, this is not what we're about. Like all the promotions, all the PR that we set up, like, mm-hmm. you know, that like, we're not into hate speech basically. And I was like, all right, man, I think you guys misunderstood me, but I'm not going to like fight you about it because mm-hmm. like, obviously what the head of the label wouldn't even talk to me. Wouldn't even have a phone call with that's, me. And that's like, yeah, you figured out quickly how this like what we call cognitive dissonance, I guess, but like when people are confronted, you're, like, you're kind of just trying to show them like, a commentary on like what they kind of were in a sense yeah which I, I wasn't even attacking them either. this thing is exactly. i didn't know exactly. i didn't know where everybody stood on the subject because it was, it was never like a conversation we had because mm-hmm. i was also just like well like i said if they would approach me with a thing hey we want you to do a comp they wanted me to do a compilation for trevor's project which is like an lgbtq anti-suicide thing so mm-hmm. i submitted some free songs to this um there was like a playlist sort of promotional thing called darkness calling. It was like a post-punk okay. kind of goth thing. Um, Cause vampire disco club was pretty gothy. And I was like, yeah, uh, totally. Like I'll, I'll put a song. Like, it's against suicide. Like, of course, like, you know, yeah, yeah. no problem. So like, so they just assumed that because I was cool with everything that I was cool with everything. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, well, I don't know. Like we never had a, con- you never asked me what I think sure. about anything. It was just like, mm-hmm. you want me to do something that I think is good. Okay, this is a foundation against suicide. I am i don't want people to kill themselves. Of course I will contribute to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm then like, you should <laughs> mutilate people's genitals. But do you exactly. know what I mean? Like, like you no, can't extrapolate exactly. like my... Exactly. You, you know just signed I mean? terms of service. There wasn't like a, you didn't check a box when you like submitted, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that's what like, because you aligned with one aspect, you now are going to like, be uh, like this whole list, this codified list of like all this shit. You're also going to subscribe to it, and it's like just implicit. And if exactly, you go, oh, it's crazy. Exactly, exactly. So it's like okay, so now all of a sudden they're painting me out to be like I'm hate speech and I'm homophobic and I'm always saying, and I'm like, you know, like that's not true. Like that's not how I feel. But also, like nobody ever asked me. Nobody ever did anything. So it is what it is. I I kind of washed my hands out of it, and I was mm-hmm. like, whatever. So then I kind of got really into Twitter and I started doing podcast stuff and I came up with the idea of Gold Pony. Um, but I immediately got into another controversy. Now, here's the thing. If you meet an asshole in the morning, you you met an asshole. If you meet assholes all day long, you're the asshole. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So I kind of realized that like, obviously, like I keep getting into controversies. 
<laughs> it, it might be me you know what yeah, i mean like i have yeah i have some self-awareness here like you i'm had not a Taylor completely... Swift anti-hero moment you were like Maybe yeah the problem it's me it's Aaron. exactly i'm like okay like this is the second time so i came up with gold pony which was like a really aggressive super like instead of this time retreating to like i'm gonna try to play it safe i kind of went the opposite direction and was yeah. like fuck you like now now i don't like you guys and now i have a problem um and I, you know, I made amends with all those people. Like, they're fine. Like, you know, things get messed up. Um, like, the on-again, off-again stuff. Like, I guess, like, as much as I say that I'm not, like, a lightning rod for controversy, like, I then become one <laughs> anyways. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Just in a different way, you know? And um, well, I wonder, like, how much of that is, like, are you a lightning rod for controversy? Or are you just going about what you think and know to be kind of true and, like conduct yourself and that's just rubbing the rest of the world is kind of becoming more rigid and unaccepting you know that's well, what I, I i definitely have noticed that like um you know like i'll traffic online with a lot of people who can be considered like racist or homophobic or the opposite i'm, I'm one of them yeah or very liberal <laughs> or very liberal sure, too. that's yeah. the other problem yeah so then i started having a problem because people were like oh you're friends with this guy and he's a liberal and i was like oh yeah but i like that guy mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And that was a conversation I had with somebody. I was like, oh, I like that guy. They're like, yeah, but why are you friends with him? I'm like, oh, because I think he's funny. And they're like, but don't you see that he's like against that? And I was like, I don't care about that, man. Like, I like at the end of the day, like, I'm going to come down to it. Like, I don't care what you are. Like, I'm going to be friends with you on an individual, on a person to person level. Even if we disagree about a like a political or a lifestyle thing, I'm mm-hmm. still going to be friends. I'll be friends with a trans person on the individual level of like, oh, that's jane and joe or whatever like i'm not gonna be like oh you're a bad person because i don't agree with this aspect of your lifestyle you're an ambassador of big thing i hate yeah exactly also (laughs) everything about you is now vile like there's no other aspect to your personality that it has any worth yeah Mm -hmm. so that's a problem that i have with all of that stuff so yeah i mean i feel like between all of that like you know and then just like little things here and there people just you know you get they get mad at you and you're like okay well i'm not gonna change Mm-hmm. but i'm also not like hunting and seeking like i'm not one of those people who goes online and like i'm gonna find somebody and now i'm talking shit to them all day long and i'm starting to you know like mm-hmm. a campaign against them i don't care about that either i think a big part of it is like the thing that i've come to understand is that like even though like okay my accounts get shut down i don't have a huge following obviously whatever i am doing is influencing people on some level because nobody would care Nobody would get mad at me if what I had to say wasn't at least valuable. Yep. And it was the same reason I got into a fight with all these people. If I didn't matter, people would have just shut me out a long time ago. Oh, exactly. Big accounts yeah. would actually reply to you. If for, yeah, no, exactly. You know I mean, there's like there's a whole system of these like uh, these tactics or whatever. These like little motifs that pop up. Everything you've said, you're in the right space. You are in the backlash dimension now because that's exactly like what. All, that's why this is working. That's why people are uh, are like resonating with this, and like why we there's like a network. Why we found each other is because we don't want to be kind of uh, like you know pulled into these like fake choices. There's a fake binary, and it's like fuck that. Yeah. Like, like what I kind of realize is the underlying spirit of a lot of these things, like Black Lives Matter. Sure, of course, Black Lives Matter, like whatever. But the institution, Black Lives Matter, sucks. They're a horrible, horrible organization, right? Right. I see it with like UBI. I feel like it sounds like a great in theory, but do we want like uh, Bill Gates being the banker for like something like that? Okay, yeah, it's Trevor Project, suicide. You're like, yeah, of course. I'm not going to stand with an NGO, Trevor's Project, whatever fucking bullshit they get up to, but like, you don't want 
want people to kill themselves and you like have it like a heart you know and yeah. like there's a disconnect between the like values of these things uh, profess and like the way that they express themselves and you're judged sure. against going against the institutions not against the values and they don't even uphold their own values most of the time for sure and that's the thing is like yeah it's like good intentions pave the road to hell Hey, look, man, like I'm, you know, I'm all for, and I've said this many times. I'm like, look, if the black community is suffering, maybe the white community could help foster success in their cities. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's like a, maybe there's a place of intervention where these groups who seem opposing could help each other. However, the way to do that is not, not to now, like, it's not to say, listen, n- one guy is not running as fast as everybody else. So everybody else has to wear weighted vests so that he can keep up with them. It's like, no, we got to help this guy run faster. And it yeah. is, it is like, it is a thing about like, yeah, individualism is very important to me because like, if you and I meet in any circumstance, I can't regard you based off of just the, I can look at the group that you're with and I can make sure, assumptions. But if, if I meet you, you outside will, of that, you absolutely will. That's going to you be will. A, yeah. a thing, but there's a whole separate transaction or whatever. Yeah. Because if I see you outside of that group, then you're going to be a different person because we are influenced by people. But at the same time, like we are like, we are sovereign in our own, you know, identities. Oh like, you know, so. You're spitting um, fire. This is like a sermon, honestly. Can you tell me a little bit about the original Globe Old Pony? I think there was a couple EPs before this, like, most recent uh, foray. There was, yeah. I put out Saint of Killers, which kind of, like, that really got me a lot of traction online. And it got me a lot of traction in publications. And I had gotten some, like, coverage with Vampire Disco Club and, like, Kerrang! and Revolver and some of the online rock magazines. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I kind of had, like, some people in Pittsburgh who were messing with me and and... Prior to that, I had worked in LA as a songwriter with labels and done like some behind the scenes stuff. So like I was involved in the music world for the last 10, 10 years, really like professionally. Um, And, you know, because I was a celebrity hairdresser, I had like kind of that crossover world of like, you know, being, I had, yeah, exactly. It's LA. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) If you don't have an eating disorder, get one. Like, (laughs) I was just, when you, um, you like, like, I, sorry to interrupt, like you, uh, some, Tara Jr. I think it was the guy from Tara Jr. responded to you. It was like, damn, Eric knows Tara Jr. You're like, yeah, it's like my buddy from like, whatever. Yeah. So that's the thing is like, starstruck. (laughs) Well, that's a funny thing, right? Is because he, like, yeah, I know that guy because, uh, we worked with him on a songwriting thing because of Felix Snow and Felix Snow, yeah, you know, is if pe- for people who know is like, he was the guy in the 2010s. Like he was one of the, you know, when he did that, uh, whatever that chick caught up in my tea song, whatever the yeah, hell it was. That, it, not, was it, uh, not Kalella. Who was, what was the song? Something. I don't know. It was a, it was a, it was a Bob. He, they, they were the guys who brought Bob into the lexicon. They, so if you know, <clears throat> If you know Campa, if you know Camp, and that was the thing is like Campa, David, like, so he was just a dude who like would come over to my house that I lived at in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. Because this I lived, I, I lived in like a music, I, yeah, I lived in like a, I lived in like a music incubator house, like okay, when, like a TikTok house for musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for, <laughs> sorry, for sorry, my description of it. Yeah, for 2016, I spent like a whole year. That's in, awesome. In this, and so Did he was one like of the camps and stuff. Sorry to interrupt. I'm like, I'm in fascinated, but did you do like songwriting camps? Was it like a really collaborative space or is it just like kind of? It was really collaborative for sure, but awesome. it was like, it was mostly just people like getting wasted. And then whoever was there the next day after the party was in for a songwriting session. We just like hung out. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really- and so it was just like this little house in North Hollywood. So I was just, yeah, you know, so like then camp was hanging out and because they're doing, they were doing Bop City too. My roommate, Tony, was, he was the one producing and, um, 
he was producing and mixing some of the songs. So I was just there for the sessions. I was just like always hanging out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, then you meet Felix and we kind of tried to do some stuff with Felix's girlfriend that didn't work out, but that was like, there was a lot of, a lot of projects that you don't know about that. Like there was oh, a lot of sure I'm people sure. involved with. Yeah. Yeah. So you would meet a lot of people and then it just never goes anywhere. You know what I mean? Um, Pop songwriting is like a, a hobby fascination of mine too. I, I just, the way it works uh, currently is super collaborative more than ever before. Like yeah. music so collaborative the way it's kind of produced. And I think it's just, it's really fascinating to like learn about how songs. Yeah. Work. It's like six people in a room. Like now it's not the same as like one guy sitting down with a guitar and like singing a song and then bringing it. Bang it at the, at the office. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like 10 people will be involved in a track now. It's, you know, and, um, yeah, so then I, I went to music school after that um, yes. in LA, and I went to I went to LA film school, and I got a degree there. And so that was the thing is like then you meet other people. Like I hung out with um, this kid who's part of like a big EDM, like he does like um, Electric da- Daisy Carnival and sure, Ultra, sure. and like those big EDM fests. Like so, I became friends with that guy. He's in a DJ duo called ANG, and um, you know it's like I'm I'm going to class and being friends, and so then I started getting into sync projects and doing all that stuff. So. Anyways, all that leads to, I started doing Gold Pony. Um, it was just sort of like the first thing that I was like, I'm going to write something that has nothing to do with like what I've been trained to do, which is like write songs that people like. I'm going to write songs that I like. Like I'm going to write, this is the first time that I was like, I'm going to make something that nobody else has ever heard and I'm going to do it how I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. That was saying the killers. That was like break beats screaming like there was like a hip-hop element to it and then i put out that first ep and then i put out a mixtape like six months later of like 12 songs and then i pulled that one from the internet because i felt like it was taking me in like a really different direction that i wanted to go and i just felt like it was it was people liked it but for like different reasons than i wanted them to and i know you can't control the outcome but like i kind of felt like okay but this is gonna now I'm going to follow this up with something similar to that. And I don't, I want to do something else. You didn't want to be like misleading, I guess, or leading people on maybe. Exactly. Bit. Yeah. Cause I was like, I don't intend to keep doing that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I just had to get it out of my system. It's funny. Unreleasing music is such an interesting concept in like the modern uh, streaming era. The only unreleased I can really think of is my heroes, KLF. Uh, there's yeah. some crazy acid house group. They had to legally delete their, well, they did it twice. They had to legally de- destroy their records because they got sued by ABBA for their famous unlawful sampling of Dancing Queen. And they literally threw their uh, copies of their record into the, the Nordic Sea. Um, they, that's the only unreleased I can really think of. But like nowadays you have like a c- control, you can put something out there and sometimes it's gone the next week. And it's like, sometimes it's a bop. You're like, hey, where the fuck did this song go? And it's yeah. gone. Uh, I got that, really I into that. Unhealthy. I don't know. Part of me thinks it's unhealthy. It's like it's adult not good. parts of the musician's like genius, you know? It, it's not good. It's not good. And it's actually, it turned into like a really bad habit for me. Cause like that's why memory, memory cult wasn't online. Only one oh. song is online for memory cult. It's God hand. And I released it under FKA gold pony. Okay. Um, I think I'm familiar with that. And then vampire disco club. Yeah. I pulled that whole, I pulled the whole thing. You know what I mean? And like a couple of these things were like things that I put like a lot of money into PR, like online, like get reviews from like, you know, well-known publications and then pull everything because I was like, this is not where I'm at artistically. I don't like, I got too into my own head and I was like, you know, who the fuck are you? You're nobody. You're just a dude. Like relax. 
<laughs> you know well, what I mean? Like yeah, you, you could have to be in that space to a degree to be able to get anything out the fucking door. To, we got to take yourself seriously. Like, you have to kind of be like, I'm the greatest shit, but you also have to be humble. And it's like this weird, uh, like, I have to do it like for this stupid podcast, be able to publish it and be like, I have to hype this. It's so uncomfortable, but you kind of have to be like, this is the greatest shit ever. Like I'm doing the best thing ever, but you also have to be like grateful and humble and just be like, I'm just doing this to do this. Cause this is a fun exercise. You know, I think you both know, of it's focus, true though. You know? Like, you, yeah. yeah. Cause you, well, you have to care about what you're doing and if you don't take it's like one of those things where it's like if somebody goes oh this is just some stupid thing that i did who cares and then okay well then who cares Mm -hmm. exactly you know what i mean that's it like that's it like if you don't care then why should i care Mm -hmm. so Yes. That was, so also, I came. You also have to own your insecurities and kind of sell those a little bit, though. Too. It's this weird sure. end. It's a very delicate uh, balance. I feel like the best artists do like both. They kind of are both humble and ego maniacs. You know. Yeah. I mean, well, that's. But here's the thing: is like also, I think like being an artist or a musician or a podcast or whatever it is, like depending on what your temperament is, like I'm really neurotic and I'm very mentally ill. And it's something that I don't talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that I'm like, oh, look, I'm mentally ill. I'm so deep and dark. No, like I'm crazy and I'll go <laughs> crazy. Your icon in your bio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's not like that. What happens is I'll go crazy for like a couple of weeks yeah, and yeah. I'll start yeah. acting weird. I'll start doing things like, yeah, I'll pull my music offline. I'll delete my social media. I'll uh, start a fight with somebody. I'll act crazy and sabotage myself because that's where I'm at in my headspace. And so at the time it makes sense. And then when I come down off of that manic thing, I'm like, mm-hmm. why did I do all of that? Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, duh, because I have like unmedicated mental illness that I'm not treat. Like I don't treat it that way. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I stick to- like the, that's the, what is it, the beauty behind the madness, the madness behind the beauty. I don't know what it is exactly, but there's some element to that that it's like, I don't want to say necessary. That seems wrong, but it is. It's what for your in your situation probably like feeds your creativity too. It's you either like, have to be really score. smart. You either have to be really smart, really crazy, or on heroin. That's the only way you're gonna make a good record. And I'm sorry to say that, but like I'm and I am a Catholic, and I'm I try to be a good person. <laughs> I don't try to influence people to do bad, but like the best records I've ever heard are made on heroin. So that's kind of true. I will make an exemption for acid and methamphetamine combination. I think there's been some albums that that way. You're right. I think heroin's for some reason, the creative. uh, I I took a bunch of um, oxycodone earlier this year because I was, uh, I had like a minor surgery. And so they gave me a bunch of like painkillers. And I remember taking it and being like, this is why Lil Wayne made so many records because you just want (laughs) to talk. You just want to, you just want to say, you want to say things and you start saying it in a really creative way because you're just like, it makes you so spun up. You're like, you're not laid back at all. You're like, Hey, guess what? I'm like, I got to do all this stuff. And like, and you start getting like real, just, you know, like uh, Brad Pitt and 12 monkeys. You're like, and I got an idea, you know? And like, <laughs> yes, yes. So that's what happens to me. Like yes. I just get looped up and I'm just like, you know, oh. and then, but there's a flip side to that where I'm like, this project's over and not only is it over, but like nobody gets to hear it anymore. And so I take it offline and I'm like, you're not allowed to listen to my music anymore. And I get like that. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. people yeah, yeah. don't like, I don't owe, like you're not paying me. So I'm not going to give you something for free. I'm letting you like borrow this is kind of how I started to feel. I don't feel that way anymore, but I got into this like real sort of negative, like mind state of like, people aren't buying physical copies of this. It's free and people sort of expect it. So then people start going like, Hey, when's the next thing coming out? And I'm like, well, whenever the fuck I finish it, like, what do you mean? You're not buying it. If you bought a record, that's your record. You own that record. 
Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. streaming is free. I don't get paid for it. And it costs me money. And it, it costs me like emotional. Totally. Like, yeah. It mm-hmm. takes something out of me. Right. So not to be like too self-important, but I get into this like sort of mentally ill place of like, like, you know, I get yeah. kind of crazy over it. And and then so that's why I pulled a lot of records. But I decided I'm not doing that anymore because because yeah. when I became really well, when I became really aware <laughs> of it, I was like, this is not like why I'm doing this is like I don't work in the industry anymore. I'm not touring anymore. I'm not like working for the labels. I'm not doing pop songwriting. This is I'm 38 years old now. This is just my hobby. Mm-hmm. So so there's no so there's no reason to feel like threatened by anything because this is just something that I get to do for the joy of doing it now. We're so obligated. That, right. You're yeah, obligated. there's no obligation. Yeah, yeah. And there's no me trying to like gain attention either. Like I'm not trying to get like clout or like attention because that was part of it. It was like ego validation. Of course. Of like, you know, how well is the song playing? How many people love it? Like who's really into it? Like that's all insecurity, you know what I mean? Oh my gosh, yeah. I wonder, I was going to say how much of this is driven through internet feedback loops, like negative feedback loops. Perception is very different than it would have been. It, there is no physical copy. There, It's this uh, ephemeral thing that people yeah. can do and whatever. And they just like feedback. consume it so much too that people don't like, I mean, I don't know. When I was a kid, I would listen to a record what I could afford. Yeah, 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 for sure. Same. Sometimes you have to like listen to a CD that you buy on, on one single that you heard. And it might not be that good, but you have to get into that record because that was all you had. I can't buy a new CD every day. So now I have to like become a fan of the Limp Bizkit record because I love the <laughs> single. Like now I got to get to know the record. It's either that or I'm not listening to anything because that's what's available. <laughs> and it's really hard because I'm, I'm actually older than you, Eric. Like I, I remember this era. I remember the 90s and these fucking CDs had two songs on them that were good. And they- Yeah, it was all filler. It was filler. It was fucking filler. So you're yeah. just you're like, what the fuck? Like- and, and yeah, there was a limitation of like what you could experience. And, and yeah. there's so much out there you hear about. You were like, I'm never going to know about all these bands. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now I or if you I found know. it, sometimes you would have to find it. Like if you couldn't find it, so it just true. wasn't there. So true. And, it's who but, you knew. Yeah. It's who <laughs> you knew. Exactly. So, but then you think about it with streaming, it's like streaming has destroyed music. Like I believe we live in a post, mm-hmm. like cultural post music world. Like music is no longer like, it's just like with movies or movie stars or any of those things, like I'm not celebrity worship because I, I hate that, but there was something about the uniting element of like, everybody loves that Guns N' Roses song. And then we can all kind of gather around. We're all having this experience of like this one thing that unites all of us. We all enjoy the Rocky movie. We all enjoy Titanic. We all enjoy whatever the thing was from our generation. Like, that was an experience. Or maybe I don't like it, but or I know we don't. experience Exactly. But we're all sharing. We can all talk about it because it's it's part of the thing. Now, everything, for better or for worse, is so available that, you know, me, me and you could live in completely different worlds and never hear the same record or watch the same movie, but still both be very knowledgeable in our consumption of music and film. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just enough. There's enough for me and you to never have overlap. But to still have a huge like hobby involved in that. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I never thought wow. of it like that. It's so true. It, it, that lack of commonality too. It's like when there is shared things, it's like a garbage, like celebrity scandal. It's like never like it's not a piece of art. It's not come film. It's not like a great song that people love or hate. It's like a Doja Cat, like whatever antics she's up to. It's not about the music ever. It, it, exactly. We're not paying attention to this song, we're paying attention to whatever she said online. Exactly. And I think like Donda from Kanye West, that was a good example of like, 
it was the last giant experience that we had, but the music itself was not, I mean, in my opinion, I hated that record. And I was like, when I heard it, I was like, this is fine. It's okay. But it's not, it was about the spectacle. It was about us all being brought together for the thing. And I was like, that is cool because that was probably the last one of those we'll get for a while. Mm -hmm. But it's unfortunate that the music didn't live up to the experience. That's true. For me, it didn't. I mean, I, I like Jail. I loved. Okay, I loved when he uh, had uh, the baby and Marilyn Manson on the remix of Jail. I think it was like later after the album came out. I think it was a cool song, but like, was it the other eighteen songs no, on no, it? No, no, no. It was like that. The, the Donda intro was like, oh my god, somebody. Ta- it felt like you're gonna get one of those albums of like the yeah. Greatest- and then this first track, I thought was like, yeah, we're here. And then I was like, and it was like a '90s album all over again. Exactly. And that was the thing is, I was like, we're never gonna get that from him. There's nobody else like him who's going to put us all because like Kanye was like a good example of some, he was good. Everybody could get into Kanye. Like there was no, there was something for everybody. Like the girls, the gays, straight people, black people, white people, everybody had a piece of Kanye. Not everybody can enjoy Taylor Swift. I don't listen to Taylor Swift. She's fine, but it's not for me. And it shouldn't be. Like, yeah. I'm a grown man. She's not, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel you. As I was just complaining about there's a playlist on Spotify. It's called Teen Beats. And I was like, I'm an old fucking man. And I know, like, 18 of these songs. And I have fully formed opinions on many of them. I take your point. Although I would say, I guess I'd argue that Taylor Swift, not everybody, I guess, is into hip-hop. So I guess, like, to a degree, Kanye is, I would almost put them as, like, not exactly, not artistically equivalent. Like counterpoints? Like zeitgeist, sort of. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, similar. In fact, well, they really are counterpoints because they like, he did make her famous. Like that, yeah. that was a true story. I mean, she, that was the greatest thing that ever could have happened to her. Was yeah. Moment, you know? And, and then you get, well, and then Lana Del Rey is like your third pillar, right? Oh, like, so. Oh, queen. And Lana Del Rey is great. And she, and she really is great. But there's only so much, like, I love Lana Del Rey. And I've been down with her since like the video games video came out. And I remember being like, whoa, this is great. However, there's only so much of that as like a, a grown man that like, you know, I can't always like, re- I can't connect with all of it because I can I connect with it on some different level. Sometimes it's in the background. Sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it's, you know, there's a middle ground. It's just a bop. But like, there's some stuff that I'm like attached to still. There, of course. It, it matters to like, no matter how old I get, I'm always like, it always brings me back to that place. And it's like important to me. Tell me a little bit how this all came together because actually this is funny because you said you know nowadays streaming world it's not like that i remember before hipsters that we were seeing stars you had to know fucking people you had to go to the places for sure i feel no one god it was hard to be cool like i take a lot of pride in the fact that i was able to <laughs> i love being like an old yeah old, it cost and money like, and it took time you know, it took time you had to have discernment you had to know who not just who to talk to but to know if that recommendation was right you could look mm-hmm. at the record store you could get to the record store by a label or even by the cover art or a certain track names you could be like 
this is going to be good. You know what I mean? There's like a certain yeah. intuition you can develop. That's not like the case most times now. Now we get told what we like. We're, we're, we're programmed with the thing. All these ideas get put in our heads. And maybe that's what happened. But I think it was Camellia MFA. I should know her blog right now. I'm not remembering. It's MFA blog. MFA blog. Oh my gosh. Music for all. Music for all. Music for all. Exactly. And she, awesome, awesome person. I just, I love her feel. I love her, her program and the work she's done for musicians. She plugged the uh, now FKA, I guess, Gold Pony EP in the spring. And I just happened to see, she clipped a little bit. She did an excellent promotional moment for me because I just happened to see it. I got on the Saturday morning like today and I clicked on it. It was two live crew. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this is good. And I was like, this is this is Gold Pony, like my usual. Before uh, COVID, I was kind of like a music blogger on the side. It's not like my full-time career, much like this is not, but I did uh, hyper-pop journalism under a different pseudonym. I, I actually was going to interview Tara Jr. at one point. There was a, a discussion for this uh, blog I was writing. I was driven offline by George Floyd as well, just because I was disgusted by it. It was like, uh, you couldn't talk about anything else for a while. At a certain point, I was like, this is insane. And I left the internet for a little while. Like when I was doing this blogging, like, People would send me shit, like Eric, people would send me so much shit. And you know how, like anybody can make music nowadays, which is a blessing and a curse probably. Yeah. You would get things and people were like, hey, can you, hey. I went under the name of my crypto name then. And it was like, buddy, like, can you review this? Can you like fucking post this? And it was like really hard. And I tried really carefully to like sometimes promote things I didn't even like, but by phrasing it in this really careful way. So I could just be like, hey, I'm doing you a favor, but I'm not really endorsing this. <laughs> but when I heard this EP, I was like, God damn, this is fucking good. And it's such a great thrill um, because in the discourse space, it's not like that. Like now like my friend's podcast, I actually do enjoy them. Like when they write articles, like they're fun to read. So it's not like that same icky feeling of not knowing what to do. Um, so I was right. like, I was like excited. I was like, oh my God, this is a music project that fucking rocks. There was four songs that EP. I was enthralled. I was like, this is a fucking hit. Like I do have an intuition, I think. And I know a fucking good record. I hear one and I was like, these are four fucking slamming tracks. Each one very distinct, very cool. And I just, I enjoyed it a lot. I got very, uh, carried away i think honestly i became a huge fka gold pony fanboy what happened what, what is fka gold pony? when i did gold pony um there was a point in time where like i was like i do all this stuff on my own and i kind of want to work with somebody else so i brought my brother in because he's also a professional musician and he was a lot of the reason why i was able to do all that previous label stuff in la mm-hmm. because he was a part of that too he lived in that house and he kind of brought me into it. Um, but we had always made music together. Um, and then in between Gold Pony and FKA Gold Pony, I put out a solo record called Eric Harris, under Eric Harris called Anorexia. And it was a full length album. Um, and it was one that I had been sitting on for like three years. I had finished it three years ago and I was like, I'm ready to put this out. And um, I had that song, Two Live Crew. And I had like a demo of it. And I was actually trying to get um, Internet Daughter, who's like a DJ online, who's kind of, she's got like a pretty decent following. She's done some stuff. She's, you know, covered in like Vice and like like some of the sure, mix, I know the name. mix mag, yeah. fact mag. Like she's been in, you know, she's a pretty, she had a, a pretty good following. Um, I was trying to get her to work on it. And she was like, yeah, I'm down. But then for whatever reason, like we just kind of weren't buds anymore. Like, you know, through the internet, you stop talking to people and um, no, no drama, just, you know, whatever, just kind of didn't work. It just didn't happen. Um, Seasons change, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So I was, I I was sending the track around to like a bunch of DJs and I was just like, Hey, like, I feel like this song would be a really cool club song. It's not what I typically do, but like, would you want to remix it? Nobody would do it. So I sent it to my brother and I was like, do you want to mix the song for me? Like, just, Mm -hmm. you know, 
And he was like, yeah, this is really cool. So he came out here to Florida and, um, at the same time I made Hemingway girl, which was another one that I literally just like, I put a drum beat on like just a drum beat, like a loop. And uh-huh. I just freestyled the song, like the, the lyrics. Uh-huh. And I sent it to my brother again. And I was like, Hey, what about this one? Would you want to do something with this one? Um, and then I had another song called, um, our, it was our, it's called our first song, but it used to be called kill him with kindness. Cause the first lyrics are kill him with kindness. I'll kill him with violence. So I just sent all these tracks to my brother and I was like, what do you think about these tracks? And he was like, I don't know. I think they're pretty cool. Let me work on them. So we put together, he came out to Florida. We started working on these tracks and then we put um, together a band called white crime. And I did like the interview with American Bulgaria for issue one. And that came out and I was promoting white crime a lot. Well, my brother got into a bunch of drama because of the name white crime. People assumed it was like some sort of like weird political thing. Me being who I am, I will like lean into it and I'll fight with people. I'll just get mad and I'll be like, fuck you. Like now we got a problem. He didn't react to that that way. He did what most people do, which is he got really scared and was Mm -hmm. like, oh no, I'm going to get in trouble. This is going to hurt my life. Mm -hmm. So he backed out. He backed out. And then he's kind of like me. He's a little crazy, whether he admits it or not. Um, And he basically did some reactionary things too. And was like, I'm not going to be a part of this if we don't change the name of the band. And I was like, all right, like we have a whole record, you know what I mean? What do we do? And I was like, I can't put it out under Gold Pony because it's the two of us. He didn't want to do that. We can't be called White Crime anymore. It was like this like weird thing. And a lot of it had to do with stuff that he was dealing with, with his label, stuff that he was dealing with, with his clients, because he had posted it online and people saw it and were like, your name makes me mad. Exactly. And, 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 words hurt my feelings. Exactly. And, and I kept telling him, I was like, listen, don't explain it to people. Yep. Like, don't give them an explanation. But he mm-hmm. didn't do that. Instead, he started trying to explain it to everybody. And the whole no, name was just... Sorry, not, no, what's happened, Bob? Please tell me, though. No. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It was like, here's the thing. It was like, it didn't mean anything. I was literally looking at a thing, and I was like, what if we call the band White Collar Crime? Like, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. White Collar Crime. But that name, exactly. that name, was, that name was taken. Sure. Yeah. So I was like, White Crime, that's a cool name. And everybody was like, everybody I told to was like, yo, that's a really cool name. So I talked to all these people. We talked to some people at Republic. We talked to these people at Sony. We talked to all these people and they were like, that's a, that's a dope name, but you might get in trouble because it, it has a racial connotation to it. And I was like, I don't think it does. Um, I think you guys are reading into it. And I think that if we play it right, it'll generate a good controversy. The genius, of course. Right. Like, like, like because everybody's <laughs> reacting like this, let's lean into that because exactly. oh my god, that's bad like publicity, good publicity, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh it's god. like if I it's like if I put together a black soul group and I called it Blue Eyed Soul. <laughs> or wasn't there like a white uh, rap group called like Young Black Kids? I feel like at one point. Yeah, yeah, there was, and but I knew a black guy who was putting together an R and B group, and he wanted to market it under Blue Eyed Soul. It's interesting because he was like, "This is going to be a good controversy." Because it's all black men, and but they're calling, but they're playing music in the style of Blue Eyed Soul, That's which is you know as an old term of like white guys doing, uh, like a, a David Bowie. I feel like Golden yeah. Beard, the era is like where it gets uh, labeled, but like a white white soul. Okay. But they were trying to do it in that style, but it was sure, black sure, guys yeah. doing. It. So you see, you know what I mean. So it was the same thing. White That's crime. Cool. I thought it was tongue in cheek. We're white guys, so us saying white crime almost like, was like yeah. taking the piss, right? 
But nobody else saw it that way. My whole entire team of people who we were working with at the time were like, you know, split. So he didn't want to do that. And the thing is this, we we had behind the scenes stuff happening that was sort of like people wanted to get involved with us on a bigger level because people did like people did like the songs like that's the thing is like i think the songs are objectively better than all the stuff that i put out previously like we had a good synergy between the two of us sure okay okay like he he kind of complimented what i lacked and vice versa because i always felt like i had the songwriting but he had the production skills to like make it you know yeah yeah i think it's a great record i think not not to discount you're going to say the other records that you've done in your career are not objectively there's no really way to compare them I would say in terms of serving like a market appeal, yeah. which is actually something you said you didn't even really were interested in doing, I guess, to a degree. They, I really wasn't. They're earworms. They're TikTok fucking. I was like, these are fucking TikTok songs. These are songs that people will like play again and again, 20 yeah. seconds of. And that's not to discount them. It sounds like an insult. I, there is a much more to them. They're elegant. No. I was really impressed. They're charming. They are good fucking songs. So I'm not surprised. Thank you. There was a lot of energy behind it. White Crimes, great fucking name. Great It's name. a cool name. And we had a lot of energy behind it. And a lot of people wanted to get involved. And thank you for the compliment, by the way. No, I, I just, mean, um, again, I'm genuinely like, I genuinely it, it was one of those things where like, when I like, because when I did Gold Pony, I was like, I'm not going to do anything that people like. I'm going to do what I want to do. With FKA Gold Pony, the idea was the opposite. I was like, look, I worked mm-hmm. as a pop songwriter. I know how to write these kinds yes. of songs. Yes. What yes. if I did my version of those kind of songs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I did. That's what I did. I just I sat down and I was like, this is how I'm going to write. This is the song that I know when I did Two Live Crew. I was like, this is a song that would bang in the club. Like when I did Hemingway Girl, I was like, Hemingway Girl would be so, for like the Lana Del Rey core girls, like that is such a. It, yeah, it should have been the, the Dare record that like was all the fake PR buzz last spring. It should have uh, been fucking Hemingway Girl. It should have been Hemingway Girl. That it's a better record. It's fucking cheeky. It reminds me very much old LCD sound system. Like yeah, like, for sure. Emperor, like the fucking like original singles. It, it's uh, ironic, but it's like charming. It's uh, it's a great it's a great song. I love it. And I and I love that original LCD sound system thing, well, which hey, is. Yeah, the other record, uh, uh, not Beat Connection, but together. Well, no, their very first single, the double single with. Um, uh, right now, I'm not like so. Just so I know you're talking about. Things, yeah. Do you know what the original song title for that is? It's "Here Comes the Backlash." That's here comes the backlash. That's where I saw the title of my podcast from. But, you know. Well, Vampire Disco Club. So here's the thing: you say LCD sound system. Vampire Disco Club was my attempt at doing a goth LCD sound system. Love it, love it. So you'll hear those records when they come out, and like some of it's very Gorillaz influenced, some of it's very LCD sound system. But even to the point where Vampire Disco Club shortens to VDC, and I was like, that's sort of my nod to LCD because mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. kind of has a similar, you know, like an onomatopoeia. Is the song title? Yeah, losing, losing my edge. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just a drum machine and a vocal. It's so I, I heard the first time that record was ever played on the West Coast. I was at Club Fake here in San Francisco. Probably yeah. Sylvia Williams was there too. It was like it went off. It was a strange, like it was just a strange moment. It was a very uh transformative moment. It mattered. It day. mattered. It mattered when that's yeah. And this it mattered. My B connection is like my jam. That like this yeah. long, that's a great record. Yeah. Beside the point. Uh, but that but was yeah, the same thing with Hemingway Girl. Well, that was the same thing. Was Hemingway Girl was the same thing. I was like a drum machine and a vocal. Like that is the essence of what I want this record to be. I want every song to be just a drum machine and a vocal because if I could just get a rhythm for people to dance to and a cool vocal for them to kind of like mm-hmm. tune in and out with, mm-hmm. then I could come up with something that was like memorable and personal and fun. And, you know, all of those things. Um, 
So there's a that, funny, what's the funny sound on Hemingway Girl? I just want there's like a cool like little like. This is gonna sound insulting too. Like it gives you like Nokia commercial vibes from 2006 in this like That's the really best funny. way. It has this like very like uh, earworm quality. Like it's something you just like hear and it's just like it's with you all day. to say it can't be cured but the movement in my head says that i am not scared oh, again to the truth. i don't care what you're gonna tell me what happened but it's not over i'm telling you eric this is not over uh here's the thing when i made that track it was literally just a drum and a vocal and i huh? sent it i literally just did the drums and i did the vocals and then i sent it to my brother he did everything okay. else okay okay which is the first time that's ever happened all my other stuff i play every instrument i do every single thing it's me this one, I was like, just whatever you think is cool. And he was listening to that band Jockstrap. Have you heard them? I've heard, yeah, actually, yeah. No, so no, he no. was listening to them a lot, and he was like, this is what I want to do is this kind of thing. So he did He did it. I just kind of told just, him, like, uh-huh. I told him to do it. Like, literally, the only notes I gave him was, like, do a key change at the end. And, <laughs> you know, and then he put yeah. in the... the um, he put in the chorus. I'll be coming back. I'll be coming correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's that was it. Honestly, it's simple, but it's like I think four, maybe five elements. They're all very simple, but they're effectively employed. They're like deployed in this like very specific sequence, and you, uh, yeah. and the, you were me, the, and the, it all works. The whole package works. It's a, it uh, hearing that it's a collaboration makes me so like excited too because I'm like, oh, yeah, it, it was a true collaboration. You had to trust. You had to do like a little bit more trust than you were used and, to. And this was a true collaboration. Like that's the thing is like I really was like this is how the song is written this is how it should start and like i want these elements in here but like you do what you think is best and i just i'll let it go and i didn't make any like i mean i i add them like add things and tweak little things but it was never like uh yeah yeah um so it was the same thing two live crew i leave sent them the faith, demo faith, kind of right you took yeah like i love it two live crew was a little bit different because he was here in person and i had at the time i it was before the hurricane that hit south florida we got hit with that um i had all this hardware equipment that i ended up selling just to pay bills because i was out of work for after the hurricane Mm -hmm. um but we sat down and made two live crew with i had a drum machine and i was just like tweaking knobs and we were playing it the whole time and doing the whole thing live together Mm -hmm. um and then we took my original demo vocal that i did and just like slapped that over it and then we just tweaked it and and then i just sat there and i pitched the demo vocal up and down and like how i wanted to do it um so those two songs were like that. We had, and then we had the third song, which was uh, our first song by White Crime, which was like screaming and crazy, kind of like the old Gold Pony stuff. But okay. I sang a chorus over it that was like very, like pretty. Like I sang it really yeah, pretty. It's yeah, it's sad. It's like, My pain is so insane. And then um, like I did that same thing right there, and I was like, cool. So we put those two songs out together. We had the name controversy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then I put out two live crew. And then I was like, well, if we're going to be a new band, we're going to do a new thing. Let's get something that's like familiar because people know me as Gold Pony. And then it's not controversial. And I was like, but it's a new band. It's not just me solo. So it's mm-hmm. FK. It's formerly known as Gold Pony. And then I thought like, okay, new people will see that and they'll associate that with like FK Twigs or whoever, like that, that style of name. 
Um, and then we took two old songs, Bowtie and uh, Love Right Now, which were songs that we did in 2016 that were a part of our old band when we were living in the music incubator. We had a band that was like getting some buzz around LA called ID Black. Um, and we, we used to play shows and, you know, we did like showcases for like uh, Sean Bevan, who did like the Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails records in the 90s. Nice. Okay, um, yes. Okay, totally. Wow. You know, we had like, in like Trent Reznor's lawyer was like representing us for a bit. And we kind of were in that sort of like goth. We were like a lot of the goth clubs, like a lot of like, you know, BDSM shows and like that kind of like leather daddy world. Mm-hmm. We kind of got, we kind of got sucked into that. And then like goth shows, like techno stuff. We were a part of like this thing for a while. It's funny that it's such a specific thing. My cousin's uh, husband was in a, in that a world and like exactly that. It's like a weird adjacent, like industrial metal goth stripper. Dream. Yeah, exactly. It's like a weird, it's like a weird uh, goth version of organized crime is the only way I can describe it. Yeah. If, you, well, if you're going to consider the whole music industry as organized crime, I guess. They're uh, like the goth wing. <laughs> it, well, exactly. And it was like, you know, yeah, like goth Charlotte, who's like a, an adult film star who was like okay. big in that scene. She was like down with us and like kind of hung out and like you know we were kind of like in that wedge of like Mm -hmm. yeah like you said like stripper adult film like bdsm goth like it was all one thing and so we became like a fixture of that um but those two songs bowtie and love right now were two songs that bowtie was the first song we ever wrote together in 2016 and then love right now we wrote in like 2018 well, I should say I wrote it and then he, I, I made my brother sing Bowtie. So that's him singing. I only sing on okay. two parts on the song. Interesting. Okay. Um, and in Love Right Now, I wrote that song in like probably five minutes. I just like, it all came to me. It was like a transmission. Like I was just I like, like writing furiously fast. And then I was like, hey, like you should sing. Because like, I have a pretty broad range. I have like a three octave range. My brother does not have a, he can't sing. He's kind of like, He's got like a bright eyes voice, mm-hmm. but I was like, if you sing it and then we take like a D tuner and we tune the vocal up and down, oh, it will yeah, compensate yeah. for that. So instead of doing like auto tune, we did the opposite. Like we detuned his off key voice and then it made that like, yeah. It's like hard to describe. It's, I don't know how to describe it. It's like very sad. It, it, there's a lot of emotion to it, I guess. Yeah. Well, I tried like, to write, I tried, it was a, that was a song that I was like, that's a song that lyrically and vocally and musically, like I'm incredibly like if if people only ever remember that, I'm like that's one of my proudest. It's because I nailed every single thing I was trying to do. I was like I want to do like a trip hop meets Brit pop. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. Oh my gosh, with some experimental flair, but it, it yeah. doesn't feel uh, avant garde. It feels accessible still, and it's uh, funny to me that it's your brother singing because it's so emotional that it's your lyrics that you wrote, but it's like coming through him, and it really just kind of. Now, to me, it symbolizes the collaboration, really, because it's like yeah. coming through his literal voice, despite, you know, maybe not being the most accomplished singer compared to, to you. He has a voice, even with his solo stuff, his solo stuff is great because of his limitations vocally. Like, any folk singer like can still, you know, maintain exactly. his vocal your range, right? Exactly. Yeah. So he leans into his, his thing and it works, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and, and even like with me, like, I, you know, I don't, I don't really spend most of my songs singing pretty. Mm. I can't, I can do that, but I don't do that often because I think when I do it, it's more effective. If I just sang all the time, it wouldn't be effective. All the time people would be like, whatever. But it's more effective when out of nowhere you hear something, you go, oh, okay. 
Mm-hmm. Like our, our first song, even though I just re-released with um we released two two new songs together. Yeah, yeah. The truth was written on the world and our first song. You know, they're so screamy that when the singing does come in for like 20 seconds, I think yeah. it hits a lot harder because you're like, oh totally. mm-hmm. okay, this guy's like literally death metal screaming at me and now like and Over now, like he's, industrial now he's cr- like yeah industrial now he's like crooning. pop record it, but yeah. then also there is this moment of uh shimmering beauty yeah yeah exactly so i think it, i think it works in that way um so yeah that was like we put those i would say the two songs that we just released and then the first four songs were kind of like put together over the course of like the last seven years you know what about ghost I, that there's this last song ghost that i th- don't take this as a diss hopefully you won't it, i was like it reminds me of 21 pilots i was like this record like the, the versatility of that ep like each song could play on a different radio format so when i was like if there was really a viable alternative radio this should be on it like it has that like very much like single quality each song stands out on its own yeah so um that song was i kept calling it bow tie so uh, let me oh, okay, okay okay got you got you no I, 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 my I, brother saying bow tie which is ghost and then that was the working title of it and then he's saying love right now yeah yeah so i did hemingway girl and two live crew on that record uh and then he did the other two so that was the thing is that oh ghost was used to be called bowtie when it was on our other band it was just like a working song okay i know that was actually produced by a guy named mike anya frock who was in a band called cards who he's a producer who like has done a bunch of stuff too he's worked with tara jr he's worked with um he used to tour as a guitar player for Kaliuchi's. Oh, like yeah, a, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, Mike was like one of the guys who lived in the house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, awesome. and he, yeah, he was a touring guitar player for Kali. He was a touring guitar player for, I think, Georgia Smith. Okay. So he was really into, him and my brother were really into the 21 Pilots thing when that happened. Nice. So they, they produced that track. They made that whole thing. I love it. So That's... that was like, I, I wrote it on a guitar trying to do like a joy division thing okay i yeah 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 that was like originally the demo of that was like and we released a bunch of music as id black during that time we put that song out and uh then that band broke up didn't work out and then we didn't make music together again for like six years and then we just did a bunch of solo stuff and then we made this record together but we wanted to bring those two songs out because we were like we always loved those songs but we didn't feel like they kind of they never really got released like broadly online it was just us playing shows they need the right vehicle kind of i guess for it yeah exactly and they didn't fit with the rest of the music that we were doing at the time which was like very goth industrial sort of like sure, 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 yeah you know nine inch nails rip off stuff oh, wow, wow. um and then so what happened with fka gold pony so now fka gold pony's over what we have no control over it i have no control over it because he he basically what happened was he refused to promote it he refused to be involved in any of the promotion that's why he's not doing the podcast he wouldn't do he wouldn't post about it he wouldn't do any sort of thing so i couldn't set up any shows because okay he kind of refused to be involved because he didn't want the negative association. So it's a lot of heat right now with, uh, you know, with the, uh, this one is- he, The thing is, he's afraid that the white crime thing that happened last year is going to somehow be reassociated because of me. Now, he won't say this, but this is what, like, I pulled in so many words. I was like, why won't you promote the record? Because we need to get playing. Because I was trying to book shows. And the, or, and, it's, um, it's uncomfortable when you collaborate and someone doesn't want to promote it. it they just, don't want to promote it. They want to be involved. I'm like, well, if you don't want to be involved, then like, you know, and he's like, I just, I like, I'm not going to basically was like, I don't have to give you an explanation. I just don't want 
be involved in that. So I was like, okay, man, well, here's the thing. We had, the other problem was that there was a twofold problem. I wanted to lean into the trip hop thing and do a whole record like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sent him a bunch of songs that were in that vein. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to do the heavier industrial hip hop stuff. Um, I don't like rap music. So it kind of became like, I mean, I like old the rap Kanye. music. <laughs> oh yeah, I like Onyx and I like Wu-Tang and old like 90s rap. But like, yeah. I don't like like the modern thing. And he like wants to- Kind of, yeah, like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wants to move it in that direction. So it was like that combined with like the promotion thing. It basically got down to the point where I was like, I think it's cool that what you're doing is so good, but like, I can't just promote it all myself and do all of it like mm-hmm. no totally and pay yeah. pay you know because because it, it eventually we wanted to put out a full length and then do like pr pr costs thousands of dollars like insane also the plan is to have ryan from american bulgaria do the gatefold for a vinyl record and we had been making plans this for that and this is also gonna happen don't worry well here's the don't thing worry. here's the thing so so then so then when it moved into it was i was like okay well, like i can't force this guy and i was like look i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna make you do something you you refuse to do but mm-hmm. Course, I can't, but I can't also like then like include you. Like I can't move forward you with you because it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I gotta do something else. And so then I was like, well, what can I do? And I was like, okay, here's what I can do. All my old music's going back online under Eric Harris, which I think Vampire Disco Club. I mean, it had a pretty good following and people were pretty good fans of it. And like I said, we got we we're in Kerrang, we we're in Revolver. We had a lot of like local and like online love. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like I'm like put that back on. I have this Tropicalia sort of indie rock record that I made as Memory Cult. I'm gonna put that back on. Um and then I've been working on a new record to follow up Anorexia in sort of like I don't know, I don't want to give away the sound, but like it's more in we'll stay more more in the you know it's just something that I would like to do. I don't know, you know. So the FK Go Pony thing, though, I felt bad because this happened in between you inviting us to come on. I don't think it's over. Here's what I'm going to say. Okay. The musical direction thing. Well, first of all, well, who cares about the musical direction? The four songs on the first EP were like uh, all kind of independent of each other in a way. So like you could do whatever you want musically. Like, yeah. Sort out later. I think it's to come back as White Crimes because I think a year from now, mm-hmm. your brother's going to be begging for the kind of controversy that a White Crime, I, I, the, the winds are changing the labels are not going to care about this shit as much. This is, they're going to be exactly what you were thinking when you kind of went forward with this, that this was going to be like kind of a good way to generate some uh, buzz. They're going to be much more on board with HR ladies are going away. I get your, uh, your brother's probably a little scared of like being in trouble with HR. Like, right. I don't think he's even working with his labels anymore. He's been doing like some AI thing now, which is also like, I'm not into the AI thing at all. Like, yeah, sure. Sure. So he's involved in that. And he does like, um, TikTok promotional AI stuff for like rappers and musicians. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's working with actually some, I can't even say their names, but he's working with some really awesome. big, he's working with like big, I'm talking like Disney size stars. Like, awesome. So he's doing that now. He's moved away from like the music thing into that too. And I think that's another part of like, I'm speculating here, but like, I think it's another good reason to avoid controversy because like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant like a Nash, like the, the cultural HR. I agree. I I agree. I I agree. But you got the controversy right now. But I think understand the reason, the reason that we work good together is because he's a very mainstream person. Like he's like a Taylor Swift kind of person. He's in the mainstream world. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he's like innocent or like doofy, 
No, but no, but he's, he has that I'm sensibility, a pop sensibility. Yeah, all the way, all the way, all the way. And I'm completely the opposite. So that's mm-hmm. what made our thing good is it kind of had like the grime of the underground from me and yeah, like the yeah. sheen of the pop world from him. So if I could get him to do more, I would do more. But the way I was looking at it was like, I kept sending him tracks and he just kept not making. And finally I was like, well, hey man, if you're not going to do this, like if you're busy or whatever, I'm going to do something else. And he was like, I'm, well, I'm not going to promote the music no matter what. And I was like, whoa, like okay well then how do i do all these i was trying to set up podcast things and yeah, you know exactly. how do i do that i can't do that that's unreasonable and 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 like yeah. and also how can i not take it personally like i love this stuff like this matters yeah, to me yeah. this is important to me because i'm not making money off of it it's something i do for love so for sure and i also want to play shows that's the other thing is like That'd the closer awesome. i get the closer i get to 40 the more i'm like 40 is gonna be the the decade that i do my suicide group like i want to be alan vega i want to be you know oh, okay, okay, okay okay the band okay the band I was no no like, i don't want to kill Isaac myself in not 40. Get that bad. Don't no, 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 no 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 the band suicide i want to do like an alan vega thing like i want to get up on stage and play like i wanted it to be a two-piece electronic thing like suicide mm-hmm. um and i was like this is like 40 is going to be the decade when i break like a new electronic project project like i had like a, a whole goal and a vision where i was like i'm gonna break it completely on the road i'm gonna do it all live and i'm gonna put out vinyl records and mm-hmm. i'm gonna do like what people are not doing and like that was my goal for like the next 10 years of like i really want to break a band entirely live with physical products nice. and give like the yeah. small group of people who come something that like only they're a part of something that you can't do online something that you can't just burn through something that's like, yeah, Hey, look, man, you might only like one song, but you own this record now and you better get used to it because like it belongs to you. You had to be there. there. (laughs) And I still, I just think, I think that that is where culture is moving towards. I think on the underground scene is like, people are like urging for like, they want something that's special to them. And, um, a hundred percent. You know, and, and it was like, and I'm really, I've been really good at predicting bands that are going to break. Mm-hmm. Like I predicted snow strippers. I predicted the help like two, two years ago. I was like, I was online on my original gold pony account. And I was like, listen, if you guys are not listening to the help and snow strippers right now, like you're fucking up. Cause they're going to blow up. And I even said it, I called it last year in January. I was like, the help will be signed to a major label and they will be touring with major acts this year. Mm-hmm. And they got signed to Atlantic six months later because I know how the shit works. I know how these people are. Like even, yeah, talking to people like Campa, like he's one of those people who has a vision of the future that the rest of us don't have. Mm-hmm. I don't have that when it comes to like what the next sound's going to be, but I know when a band's going to blow when they're small. I can just smell it. Like I can I feel you. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? And here's the thing, like people got to understand, like I, I have been a celebrity hairstylist. I have been a label guy. I have been a touring musician. I have been a band guy. I've been a songwriter. I've done, I even got a degree in the music world working with, you know, like I have, I have stuff out there that you wouldn't know is me, Okay. but so I have enough knowledge to mm-hmm. know like how things can happen but i also have mm-hmm. a string of failed projects behind me that never launched all the way so i have a lot of lessons that i have learned because no i'm saying this in a good way no, like good. No, no, no. i have a lot of things that like came close but didn't happen mm-hmm. so i know like 
I feel very confident in my ability to understand like what doesn't and what does work. And so I think I could break an electronic project. So that's my goal right now is like to get a project that I can break live. I think that's awesome. I, yeah. I still think I think both can be true. I think white crimes could be bad. I mean, white crime or white crimes? Is white crime. White crime. It's a great name. I, it's, it's a fantastic name, isn't it? Famous like San Francisco punk band called Crimes uh, from way yeah. back, way, way back in the day. So white crime is a great name. It will be back. It will be back a year from now. Everything happens when it's meant to. So you said those projects. I know you're just gonna say failed projects, but you know, as someone who's been through a lot of failed projects, I guess with my own and incarnations, you know, it's yeah. like things happen to do happen for a reason, I guess. And it's like this weird. And I'm then so oh, no. and it all becomes much it, things that seem so insignificant at the time become so much more important, and it all fits together in this like story. You're like, whoa, what the fuck? It so, all led me to what happen. I'm doing now. And, and also, here's the other thing. Re-releasing everything under Eric Harris was also important for me because I was like, this is who I am. Like, I have to be me and not be under, like, a, a moniker anymore. Because, like, I did every one of these things. Every instrument, every song. Put it all together. Did the whole thing. And the whole reason I used the name was because I was trying to hide from something. Like, I was trying to, like, mm-hmm. like hide myself behind an identity. But I was like, well, David Bowie didn't do that. I and mean, he did... 30 albums that were all different and not all of them were good i mean like no that's you know the buddha of suburbia nobody's defending that record like really i like that one i'm just kidding <laughs> it was like an instrumentalist and i don't even know what that yeah no but he said he, he, he had a lot of stuff that wasn't that great and no, he for, had, for sure and i'm no david bowie but i'm like okay you can just be like you know uh eponymous you don't have to be like sure yeah 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 you know you don't have to do a thing and i can save that for collaborations and have names and all that stuff i don't want to launch another like now i'm the night raven or whatever you know what i mean like i just want like yeah 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 (laughs) you know what i mean and hopefully people hopefully hopefully if people can the name doesn't put them off it doesn't i know that's part of the branding kind of gives people it's like some so, of, yeah, it's a psychological thing, but you still have that option. And you can always also like tag those projects. Okay, only on Spotify, you put both. Technically, couldn't it all be under Eric Harris with like them as like accredited? Well, when I put the people. when I put the name under the thing, what I'll do is I'll just put uh like the name of the band that it's under in parentheses. Right, yeah, it's like a little comma. As I feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It, it's very discreet. It'll be like that way. It's but, all still. <laughs> but like the Eric Harris record, I did put out Anorexia. Um, is one of my favorite things that I've ever done. You know. Check it out. I, I, it's like an art. It's like an avant-garde R and B record. Which, if you were a black girl, would probably be like a, everybody we talking about in Vice magazine because it's like they people love a, a fake. I, it's it's, it's the straight. It's it's the straight white male version of Sade. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And the whole album is about the whole album is about male anorexia, male eating disorders, and like sexual rejection and like pain and like I tried to do like the most masculine record i could yeah, yeah 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 in the most emotional way possible so like the Absolutely. whole album is like it's it's and it's not about being like a straight white male i'm just saying like i am a straight white male who made an r&b record that is about the masculine experience and i like really put my heart and soul on that record like that's like that's like bleeding heart on my sleeve era yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i love like, this yeah yeah so like you know like I, I think that I can continue in my small way in this world as a, as a small person to, you know, push the envelope and, and try new things. And like, nobody else is doing what I'm doing. Even if it's small, even if nobody else has heard it, you can't be like, you can say it sounds like this, but you can't say that it sounds exactly like something else. You know, I think 
in a year from now that you're describing like a project around like male uh, fragile not fragile but emotional kind of uh yeah. presenting like a, a different uh, way of masculinity let's say eating disorder it's like hello unconventional this is the kind of things i think people will be, are hungry for now and will be uh in retrospect why you, you will be looked back on as i think and it, like very soon i think you are going to be in the zeitgeist is what i'm telling you my friend i think Maybe. this is all like the right <laughs> thing and even not like zeitgeist what, whatever what does that mean we don't have a shared yeah. thing and, and like you said i think everyone wants these kind of special kind of uh micro experiences by micro kind of networks and communities like that yeah. is like, still to me like i think you align with what a lot of people are looking for and, and it, it is exciting i mean that's very sweet of you to say that that's very nice of you to say that i just hope that like if you are enjoying it this much then i feel like okay well then somebody else is gonna listen to anorexia they're gonna like that the next thing somebody else is gonna you know hopefully you love that too <laughs> if it's a personal experience and it connects with you i really do believe that that is important and that matters because like then now all of a sudden like somebody knows me and it, like do you know what i mean like i've opened my heart and then somebody knows me thousand percent your world so, is not connected to my world there is a quantum yeah information now flowing back and forth and the world our worlds are better for it you yeah know? and if you love a record like what's more important than loving a record like the, when you get to have something that you can engage with over and over and over like that that's so special like that's such a special thing for your life like that's what makes musicians great musicians like that's what makes the world so special is when you go and you have that experience and mm. that's why i don't like hate on taylor swift fans because like i get it like oh, yeah, yeah yeah she said something that really made your life special in that moment and you get to share that over and over with her like mm-hmm. you know she that's like love that's like family that's that's a whole thing that's like it's, the micro that's the, the micro and the macrocosm like all coming together at once you know spending fire constantly to quote miss kitten from miss kitten the hacker one of my favorite artists uh this is what our music is about you and us and, and they talk about how, like, when the record plays like wherever you are in the world you're a part of us now she says and i think that's 100 percent true for all these like a lot of these mediums but especially music music is so special Maybe for ask you. me a couple rapper. I'm just there's one song that I wanted to recommend to every single Please. person to listen Please, to. Yeah. 
Um, it's by Jacques Green. And if you go onto YouTube, because it's it's a performance, if you go onto YouTube, there is, where is it? I have it right here. This bastard has so many fucking records that it's like, uh, it's called One For Me, like number one, number four, me. And he does a boiler room performance of this song using hardware equipment. And it's like a, it's like a house song. It's like a house track. But it was the reason that I started making music. Like after Vampire Disco Club, I was like, I'm not going to make records anymore. And then I was like, I'm done with music forever. And then I heard this song and then like Gold Pony, everything that's happened afterwards and everything that I will do forward is like, anytime that I am like, what the hell do I do next? I just watch this video and it's like the most emotional, personal, like just watching him play it, watching him perform it, seeing how much like he cares about it. And the song itself is really like beautiful and like soulful. So I just wanted to recommend that to everybody. So ask me, ask me, ask no, me. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. And yeah, what you're describing, yeah. I think that too, there's like certain performances that are like, you just see something and you see a spirit quality in somebody like in their performance yeah. thing and you just like vibe with it so much. You know, it feels yeah. like it's for you almost, you know, even it, it, in their it, zone, but it's for you. <laughs> I do think God works like that. And I felt yeah. like in that moment, I was like, here I am right now. I'm getting the transmission. Like I'm just like taking it all in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. 100%. I feel like, I, I think I, a thousand percent also yeah i just i want to say also i think i'm just like i'm, I'm proud of you eric you, you've overcome kind of some of uh, things in like your artistic process you've matured in these ways where you're like you overcame like wanting to like delete music and just and go away or whatever you know you're overcoming that you're like over you're trusting and being more collaborative i think that's these are all like healthy signs which tell me that you're on a trajectory of growth and like you're going places still like, i'll take the compliment places. i'll take the compliment I mean, i'll, I'll take it. your word for it i'll take your word for it i mean and where things work out crazy things if your brother's listening white crime is coming back i'm sorry to tell you uh, all. we'll see we'll see that art that art is happening i'm it's open to it i'm always open to reconciliation i'm we'll always open to reconciliation over all that's yeah. gonna be no one's gonna care about uh, uh, the things that we the things that happened over the last few years we will look back very soon i think with great shock and horror and dismay you and i were already horrified but uh, we much more uh, horrified i think um okay Eric, let's see some of these like uh shirley manson or gwen stefani that's a hard one uh young gwen stefani oh <laughs> young shirley manson gwen stefani it's funny. I was just watching performance. Speaking of performances of Gwen yeah. Swan last night from like '94, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, like she really does." She uh, was awesome. Yeah, but I love those first two garbage records. But but yeah, huge yeah. huge friend. Were you? Uh, yeah, were you like a? What, what was your like? What was your vibe of music like when you were a youth, like a high school high school youth? High, high school, school? Uh, Radiohead. I listened to Kid A pretty much like exclusively when I was in high school. I mean, like new metal. I liked like Stained and Corn and Slipknot <laughs> and System of a Down and all that stuff. But once I hit Radiohead, it was like it was at the drive-in. I love at the drive-in. Like you know, Screamo. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Oops. I forgot about. Oh wait. How about this one then? Uh, uh, Limp Biscuit or Corn? Ooh. Oh no, that's a hard. First Limp Biscuit record is Three Dollar Bill, y'all. Is really good. It almost sounds like a Deftones record. And it, listen to it again. It has a different. It's a. It's a revisit. Is, is it interesting that Deftones have so much currency today? I feel like they're as popular today as they were at the time. If not, maybe probably more. more probably more. Yeah. I think they have more cultural relevancy, which is weird because like they were always a smaller band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, they were, and I remember they weren't. They had a couple radio hits, but the radio hits weren't as big as like. Corn. Yeah, they weren't selling. Men. No, not like corn. Not like 
Are you kidding me? Not like Nookie. Yeah, no, yeah, no, they were like. I was, yeah. I was listening to that record for some reason. I put on uh, Significant Other this week. I yeah. don't know why. I listened to not the whole thing, but I was listening to Nookie. I was listening, to, and then I went back to Three Dollar Bill because that Faith cover is so good. That is a great. That's a great. That record's really good. Corn doesn't hold. Corn's music didn't age as well as I thought that it would. I listened to uh, Follow the Leader recently, and a lot of it seemed really like Halloween haunted house, like kind of goofy. Sure, sure, sure. Half of it did. The serious stuff holds up, but a lot of like the rap rock stuff that they got into on that record kind of is a little silly now. It's like, yeah, well. Is that which one had got the life? I, I like that. That's song. the one. That's follow the leader. Okay, I like I think they should have done more disco in my That's opinion. what I'm saying. It's like they had they had that era was really good, but they didn't really. So I'm gonna go with Limp Bizkit. Fair enough. Do you ever the song? Wait, it's like finger finger eleven, and it's like I, I don't know. I'm not even I sure. remember Finger Eleven. There's I this to that song that's like a grunge disco record that's like. So yeah, I'm not paralyzed, paralyzed, but I'm just It's like grunge parents were Where yeah. did, that could have been a whole thing? I'm like still. I I I, I wait till I put out Vampire Disco Club because there's all right, all right. It's like there's a song on there called Ruby Veins, which is like a literally vampire disco song. Fucking it's a wait. disco rock song that is about vampires. That's the whole <laughs> Vampire Disco Club was literally. I leaned all the way into the theme of being like a vampire in a disco, like a vampire disco run. But like it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. Were you inspired by the uh, famous Blade 2 scene? <laughs> uh, I was one. Yeah, the opening scene of Blade and LCD sound system and the first Bauhaus record. I was like, nice. Put all these things together with some Bee Gees. Uh, are you familiar with the like dub dub versions of records? Yeah, of course. Because there's a dub of the Bauhaus uh, "She's in Parties" song, which I think is so weird and fascinating. I got really into I haven't dub heard versions. it. I, I, I got really into specifically like dub disco. There's like a whole dub reggae, but then there's like yeah, especially like in the '80s, there'd be like an extended remix, and then they do like a dub version that's like half instrumental, kind of. It's like a whole reimagining really of the track. I'm I, I'm spreading it down right now. I don't know why, but the, the Bauhaus one is in particular. It's good. So uh, here's the thing. The first Gold Pony EP uh-huh. is a dub record sped up twice. It's double speed. If you slow it down, it's all dub. There's a song in there called War. That was a dub song. That was... But I just made it heavy. Okay, okay. okay. So there's just screaming over the top of it, but if you listen to it, it's like... Like that kind of swampy sort of like yeah, just you know, and so and all the other songs there's like were this like weird fake. There's like a weird phantom quality to dub music where there's something that's in the space that's not present. I don't know how to spooky. describe. It's spooky. It's spooky. It's <laughs> spooky. Yeah. No, I love them. Yeah, that's um, cool. disco. Disco or punk? Uh, disco. All the way. Disco, Your favorite disco. Uh, disco disco record. I don't because I don't really listen to disco, but <laughs> I grew up with punk and I realized that it wasn't the thing. And now I'm really interested in, you know what? That's not true. Giorgio Moroder, Love to Love You Baby by Donna Summer Ooh, is probably like the cool, I saw Giorgio Moroder spin um, at a club in Hollywood. And that was like the thing that I was like, okay. Like he showed up, there's a place in, um, where is it? The... The Soho House. There's a club. Is it Soho House? No, it was the Standard. It was the Standard in Hollywood. There's like a little club in the back, and he, I was just there for a party one night with a bunch of hairdressers. And Giorgio Moroder showed up and spun and did a whole set. And after that, I was like, but he did. He did his song "Love to Love You, Baby" by Donna Summer. That was by him. 
he put it in the middle of the thing and I was like, this is where it's really at. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is where it's really at. If you can't dance to it, like on like a spiritual level, if you can't just move to it, then like get it's it not- out of here. Get it out of here. <laughs> Wait, since you're uh, you were a male hairdresser, uh Jay Sebring or Vidal Sassoon? <laughs> That's such Vidal a weird... Sassoon. Vidal Sassoon all the way. His products were terrible, but he was the best hair cutter ever. But I was a um I was a big Oribe guy for products. Uh, I don't use that Vidal Sassoon's product. I actually don't even know. No, Oribe <laughs> Oribe is like an upscale thing, but the guy, the hairdresser Oribe, was like this Latin lover type. Oh wait, of I do. Okay, yes. Okay, the male hairdresser is a fascinating archetype. Actually, I think in America, yeah. it's a very interesting under under uh, leveraged, underexplored trope, I guess, or kind of archetype. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you one thing. We don't have to do a whole thing about it because I do got to go. But um, no, no, Richard, John, go. my boss, my boss for a long time was Jonathan Anson, who was the first reality star hairdresser i know that motherfucker he's insane you yeah know. he was my boss i worked for show? jonathan he did, did have a show, a show. Yeah. yeah he had a show on oxygen and i worked for him uh at jonathan and george yeah yeah and i was a hairdresser <laughs> and then i worked for and then i worked for another really crazy guy who was um his name's johnny ramirez and he's like the guy who invented the, like the modern look of hair for the last 10 years okay. the beachy blonde with the the beach waves and all that stuff it's just like it's the look. That's all I did. It's the look. But so I worked for I worked for like two like the craziest in the industry, like notoriously crazy dudes, like spastic, just wild dudes. So I do have a I do have a pedigree when it comes to hairdressing as a hair cutter. So I I am fascinated. Um, yeah. I have one last question, Eric. Um, mm-hmm. What is to be done with that ass? What is to be done with that ass? You want to know where that title comes from? Yeah. There's a book by Vladimir Lenin, the the communist. Yeah. He has a book. Heard of it. I'm an anti. I'm an anti-communist, and I saw that he had a book. I was on Thrift Books, and I typed in something else. I typed in Vladimir Lossky. This this other guy, and it came up with Vladimir Lenin, or I think his name's Vladimir. And the book is called What Is to Be Done. Like that's the yeah, question, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. and I was like, I'm gonna buy this book. Like, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a Marxist book. Like, I, I'm super okay, anti. I'm against it. So I got same, the, same. the book, and I was like, I can't read. I can't read this bullshit. But I kept looking at the title, and I was making the beat, and I was like, What is to be done? And I kept saying it over and over in Russian. I was like, What is to be done? What is to be done? And I was like, Yo, what is to be done with that ass? And that's how the lyric <laughs> came up. Was because of the whether it is in one year or in seventy five years. There will be a time when they will. The critics, academics, will get back together. They will look back on this and this this, this important anecdote, and it will be all important and understood. And they're going to the be like the, the communists. The communists. That's my only communist influences. <laughs> it's fucking incredible, Eric. This was such a pleasure. Good luck with all these fucking projects. There's, I'm feeling the good vibes. I even need to wish you good vibes because they're they're coming for you. All Where, right. What should people know, Eric? It's Eric R. Harris is my at now on Twitter. I have a new Twitter and I have a new okay. Instagram. They're both private because, well, for obvious reasons. So I don't get canceled again online. I don't get suspended again. Okay. I uh, You can find all of my music will be under uh, Eric Harris, E-R-I-K, like the killer from Columbine, but with a K. Okay. Um, except for FK Gold Pony. That stuff will be under FK Gold Pony. Out of respect, I will keep it under the collaboration but all my stuff will be under that um and then yeah twitter eric r harris is my ad or just search eric harris and it's a picture of me holding a cow skull <laughs> Love and hate.